0: Some of the most interesting times and learning experiences I've personally had in Freemasonry is when you get a stick after lodge, sit down with a brother and have a conversation where you just see where it goes. Learn from his Masonic experiences and everything that has to offer from that. We have a good friend of mine on the show this evening and we're going to do just that. We're going to find out about his whole journey through Masonry, what he's learned and his thoughts on everything. So stick with us because we have an amazing episode lined up for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminating our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. And now, enjoy the show. Good evening, and welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and proud to be back with you for another episode. And I am stoked to have with us a good friend of mine this evening, Brother Scott Sherman from back east. Brother Sherman, thank you so much for uh, coming on this evening and uh, having this episode with us. I can't wait to dive in with you.
1: Oh, it's truly my pr- pleasure, Brother Alex. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while.
0: So, for those that may not be aware of who you are, your experience, if you could just give us a little proper introduction of who you are in Freemasonry and all that good stuff.
1: Hmm. Well, I have been an active Freemason for 42 years and counting. I have been engaged all that time due to why, how, and when I got into it back when I was 22 years old. And, uh, Meeting people like you, Alex, has one of the things that keeps me going. I have so much fun still. If I wasn't having fun, I don't think I'd still be as active as I am.
0: That's fantastic. So you've kind of nailed on two of the icebreaker questions that we typically start off with, but I want to dive in a little deeper there. So Mm -hmm. what exactly is it that brought you to Freemasonry in the first place? What, What put it in front of your eyes and then made you think, yeah, that's something I want to join?
1: Well, that's just a little bit complicated um the short answer which isn't the whole answer is that my late father donald sherman was a brother mason okay after um serving in world war ii in the army he went to college on the gi bill and was hired by raytheon in massachusetts where he spent his whole career for 42 years he um started in waltham mass and somewhere along the way he learned that there was something called masonry and he joined in 1952 and yet, uh, back then, he told me things were different. You couldn't ask to be an officer. If you did, you get blackballed. You'd never be one. So okay. he showed up. And eventually, he met my mother. And they got married. And they built a house. And they had me and my brothers. And he, he maintained his membership, but he got away from it. I, so I knew he was a Mason, but I didn't know much about it. When I got to college at the University of Massachusetts, I ended up joining a college fraternity that I found out was founded by a Mason at NYU in 1847. That was Zeta Psi. And a friend of mine uh, I met from another chapter told me about that, and that got me thinking. And then during college, during the summers, because my father was at Raytheon, I got to work at Raytheon for the summer, make some money for, for the next year and things like that. During the summer Raytheon shuts down for two weeks for vacation. And that's when we were growing up when we had our family vacations. But as, as a college employee, I, any of us who were there were allowed to stay and earn money for those two weeks. And I did, we were all gathered from around our manufacturing plant, which is about a mile walk from one end to the other. And, um, we were in one department, which was called the reproduction department. They were using ammonia based blue line uh drawing creations uh basically the blueprints that the engineers created that's how they made copies of them okay first day there i noticed my supervisor had a masonic pin on it i knew enough to say oh i see you're a mason you know my dad he's one too (laughs) and in the 80 hours i spent in his department he spent about 20 of them talking to me about masonry and answering questions and things like that that basically cemented that this was an organization I want to be part of. And, um, back then you had to wait till you were 21 to join. And so I was a senior in college then. And I said, you know, I think this organization is going to be meaningful to me in my whole life. So I think I'll wait till after I graduate. So I did in June and applied in September and was initiated, passed and raised and, December, January, and February of 1981. And um, as it turns out, we had four candidates, and the we had four degree teams. And my degree team was from Raytheon, and the brother who had been my supervisor was a past master, so he was in charge. And he was the one who actually raised me because back then my father, who was not a past master, could not. They okay. changed those rules since then. But um, but my then my you know, the next month, the district deputy grandmaster was there. And it was, it was a huge night. I remember because we had 20 lodges on both sides of our district and everybody was there. We had over a hundred people on the sidelines and it was just, incredible. Wow. and the next month, the district deputy came for his visit and I was the entertainment. We have a set of catechisms, basically people call them outside of our jurisdiction. And so I was brought to the west of the altar and and gave all the answers. And afterwards, I went to my seat. The DD was making his remarks and he called me up and I knew enough to stand up. And he said, Brother Sherman, from the skill you've shown tonight, if this lodge doesn't put you in line, I've got nine other masters here who'd love to have you. (laughs) And that night, the senior warden came to me and said, would you be interested in being a steward? And so, 81, 82, I was a steward and I've been an officer ever since
0: that's fantastic. So we're going to dive in quite a bit tonight and really get to know your Masonic journey overall. But I'm curious, what is it that's kept you involved and attached to Freemasonry after all this time? Why are you still here?
1: Well, it's it's it gels down to all the experiences I've had. And I'm not going to tell you all the experiences have been wonderful. But on balance after 42 years, I've had so many more good experiences than, than ones who are not so good. And that's and I'm having fun. And that's at a point in my life along the way, about 15 years ago, I realized that titles are meaningless except for (laughs) for the title of brother. There you go. You know, that's, that's the point or in chapter it's companion, but that's really what it comes down to. Um, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, I've traveled a lot in an earlier part of my life and have great stories from those places that I visited and the experiences I had. And that's really what it comes down to. And I've had a lot of really great mentors along the way. And that helped me too. I didn't think of them as that at the time, but that's what we call them. And that's yeah. what they were to me. And I had my dad for 24 years in lodge,
0: which and is amazing. I
1: was, I was a shy, shy young man. I had taken public speaking classes in college to try to get over it. But it wasn't until i was in line and had to do ritual and everything else and i got to be master of the lodge in 1986 and we had a big room and my father who was hard of hearing would sit in the in the southwest corner and if he couldn't hear me he'd go like this to me and that taught me how to really project into a bigger room and um, yeah it's been an amazing journey and and that's that's why i'm still having wonderful times and meeting wonderful brothers Masonic con was a huge part of that a few years back you know and in the pandemic actually there were a lot of blessings in the pandemic with conversations we got to have on zoom with who where they live they can't get to lodge so we got to see them for the first time in years and catch up and talk so that's that's kind of what keeps me gumming going at this time it's not it's not the honors and things like that. It's, I, it's the experiences. You know, right. If I'm going to have fun. I'm going to find someplace to have fun.
0: Yeah. You know, hearing about those connections reminds me of something you said in the green room before the show, you were talking about how you were at the store and you happened to have a Masonic license plate and ran into a brother from another jurisdiction that you didn't know and led to a, a long, enjoyable conversation that your family had to stick around while you had. <laughs>
1: true. I love when those random things tend to happen.
0: It it makes it a much smaller world, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. And, and, you know, maybe we can get into some of the other stories from my travels, but uh, that's what it all comes down to. Right. Whether, whether I'm in England or Georgia or, or Chicago or Los Angeles or wherever we're all brothers And it doesn't really matter where we come from because we're all brothers. We can assume a certain level of behavior. And as long as that's continuing, we have great times, no matter where you go.
0: Well said, well said. Well, I can't wait to dive in and hear about your entire Masonic journey, my brother, before we do. I want to make sure we give a huge thanks to all of our supporters of the show uh, who support us through patreon historical light's been around since 2016 and started as a whim for me to really learn more about the history of freemasonry and within that i've nerded out over all these years and we've grown into what we are today so if you guys like what you see around here and want to help us continue that mission you can do so by going over to the website historicallight.com uh, slash support, and you can support us through Patreon, and you can get some pretty cool perks uh, through the various support levels on there as well. One other message before we get going: gotta give a shout out for Masonic Con Kansas, which is coming right around the corner for the second year here in Kansas. Uh, we did it for the first time last year ever, uh, as Brother Sherman mentioned. Have a Masonic Con um, up in uh, Atterborough. Few years I had a chance to go up there several times, and that experience changed my Masonic journey forever Uh, so it was a great honor to be able to bring that to Kansas for the first time last year and we're doing it again this year and it's going to be amazing so if you haven't yet jump over to the website for that which is Masoniconkansas.com and get your tickets today we would love to see you there it's going to be an awesome awesome event all right with that brother let's dive in so we've, we've kind of heard now about what brought you to Freemasonry some of those experiences or connections through your work through your father but tell me a little bit about getting to go into Freemasonry, how your journey began. Uh, we we heard how you became a steward into the line. So, mm-hmm. what was your experience like going through that line in your lodge? Any memories you might have there?
1: Well, interestingly, as that started, my first career out of college was in high-tech manufacturing. And I was working okay. at a company in Wilmington called Avco. And I got to meet some Masons there. And um, by word of mouth before email or phone or cell phones, we found 150 members in the, in the plant. And we formed what we call the square and compass club. I made friends with the cafeteria manager to give us nice dinners. when we have our monthly meeting and work with security to let us bring in speakers and all that. And, um, speaking of mentors, one day I was uh, talking with one of the officers in the hallway. And one of my peers went by and did a double take and he cornered me later and said, where do you get off talking to a director of the corporation? And, (laughs) you know, I was in my career, I was, you know, a very young man and. But it realized, I realized at that time that in the real world, he would have been Mr. Smith, but because of our connection, I can call him Phil and Phil's interested in my development as a man and I get the benefit of that. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, in the '80s, I tried to bring my friends to open houses and such, and they saw the older men in the room and said, "That's not for me." Right. You know, and so that that I, I always felt like I was special in that way. Um,
0: it's an interesting take. Uh, you know, you you, you mentioned that. you mentioned about the guys coming in and seeing these old guys and really just losing connection, and mm-hmm. you know that that ties in with me because mm-hmm. I'd grown up. I'm fifth generation Mason, but I, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know any of those guys, really. The only one alive was my uncle, and he really wasn't active. Um, so he didn't talk about it much. But I'd always see it on the headstones and everything, um, but never engaged until I uh, got with my now wife and my father-in-law, brought it up a lot, and I was like, okay, I'll look at it. And we went to, I think, a breakfast or two. And it was the same thing. It's like everyone there was eighty and above. And I'm like, at the time, I'm you know, I'm a pretty young guy. And I'm like, nah, not for me. No interest. And I don't know. It was it was something later on that just uh I started seeing it everywhere. It's kinda like when you get a new car. You you get a car that, you know, you you like, you feel like no one has, and then everyone has it. You start seeing that car everywhere. It's interesting. I started seeing Freemasonry on, on TV. I'd go to the store and someone's wearing a, a necklace or a pen. Uh, an interesting story. I tell, I went to a price chopper it's a local grocery store here and guys just walking through the middle of price chopper in full lodge regalia, apron collar. Everyone. I'm like, really? you don't see that. And oh. you know, we question him on. He's like, well, your father-in-law would know. And he wouldn't say yeah. anymore, but I started seeing all this stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. Now I need to know more. <laughs> so it's interesting how it, it bridges past that gap because yeah, from first glance, it doesn't seem like there would be a connection, but honestly, once I got in those older guys that at first kind of separated me became some of my best friends. Right.
1: I got a, I got a sense of the brotherhood in my college fraternity. Oh, uh, Okay um, and that's part of also why I wanted to join the the grown up fraternity that we call Masonry and, you know, in that time too, when I was a steward, I was a, an officer of the international of the college fraternity. And I said, you know, I knew that our, we were founded at NYU and our founder was from NYU. So I wonder if he was, and he was a Mason, I wonder where, so I wrote to the grand lodge of New York breaking rules. (laughs) and I didn't know about and inquired about this person and in short order I got an envelope with almost a ream of paper of copies of old proceedings when he died at the age of 35 or 37 of consumption in 1850 something he was the deputy Grand Master of New York wow they had and the oratory of the 19th century was such that we got a better sense of our founder than we had because a fire had gotten rid of most of our our records at one point and so that was very nice and i shared that but it took a year before his lodge or the lodge that they'd merged into to find and they found the gravesite, which we were looking for and I called the headquarters in New York and they dispatched a couple of brothers over and they found him buried in the family plot and right over to the side was one of our other two founders. So it was, it was very successful and and I started seeing connections and things like that. So getting into line, um, they asked, I loved it. You know, my dad got me my first tuxedo and I think I'm on my sixth or seventh by now. Um, because officers in Masonic lodges in Massachusetts wear tuxedos and I had the time, so I, I was single and I went to everything. I went to our district visits. I went to lodges of instruction. I went to rehearsals. I did everything I was supposed to basically. And I turns out I was extraordinarily good with learning ritual. So I remember I, I moved up not too fast, like some people do nowadays. I think it took me a total of five years and because somebody dropped out in front of me and um, I remember when I was senior deacon and we were doing some ritual and and the Worshipful Master, um, well I should interrupt myself there, Waltham Lodge was one of three Waltham Chartered Lodges at the time. There was Monitor, which is the oldest in 1820, Isaac Parker and Waltham, which was started in 1925 roughly. Um, Waltham Lodge was mostly for, uh, firemen, policemen and Raytheon employees in, in Waltham. Okay. And at the time when my dad joined, it was the only one of the three that accepted Jews. Interesting. Yeah. And I found proof of that later as secretary, but, um, so, you know, I was happy to do it. I, when he was, when the police lieutenant who was master was, was having a little trouble, I was standing behind the candidate, the senior deacon, and I was mouthing the master's ritual to him because I knew it and I, I, didn't want to embarrass him, but I was trying to help him gently to get through it and it worked out for us. And, uh, and it was just a great time. The 19 mid eighties and such, I was so, so busy. I, I joined the Scottish Rite, um, in April of 81 and got involved as a degree worker in both and two bodies there. I ended up in 1983, joining the Royal arch and the shrine. And I was in a marching unit in the shrine and I, they put me in line and chapter. And so the way that worked out is that I ended up being high priest of the chapter and senior warden at the same time. Oh, wow. Three years later, I was illustrious master of the council and senior warden for the second time. So those 10 years were, were, were really, really busy. And I just had so much fun. Um, along that time too, I started something called the Masonry Forum on the CompuServe network. Back then there was CompuServe for people who were technically oriented and AOL for everybody else. Okay. It was all dial up. It was all text, but it was a way to communicate in that we didn't have before. And so, We were, um, we were being besieged by the anti-Masons at the time. And eventually we found somebody at CompuServe who was just got his first degree and and said, Hey, would you like your own forum? And we said, yes, please. And so we started meeting brothers all over the world from that and grand lodges, this was before they had websites, they were getting a little concerned, but we assured them that we weren't acting as lodges planning events as lodges, we were just individual Masons talking about our experiences. Right. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, eventually we started inviting the anti-Masons in to debate us. And the reason we did that is because we always kept our cool and they always lost their temper. And the people in the who were watching could private message crosswise and said, Hey, I was more on their camp, but they're jerks. I think I'm more inclined to believe you now. (laughs) So that was kind of fun, but it also meant that for years when I was traveling a lot for business, when we would get to a hotel, some of the other people would plan to go out for a night at a bar. Mm. I would be picked up by somebody from my forum or somebody they knew who lived locally taken to a local lodge hall, have a home cooked meal and some brotherhood. And the next morning I wasn't hung over. I was bright and cheery and was able to give my presentation well. So uh, that's, that's a lot of the fun I had during that time in that way, getting to have all those great experiences.
0: That's pretty cool. And you know, to hear about you guys starting one of those first forms out there and just to see how masonry has expanded on you know, this digital realm of the modern day, it, it, it's quite impressive. And to know you were a part of that's pretty, pretty cool.
1: <laughs> that was fun. And what was cool, is that's where we first learned about women masons really we weren't lodges so we didn't care sure um uh, there was a good friend of mine from the from the forum who was from france from the grand lodge to france regular but not recognized and we learned all about that right. at the time and when we were living in washington dc and had our oldest son was a baby he's 30 he's 30 now um they came to washington for something they came to visit us and they presented us with they presented me with a little shadow box of all their pins and which was very cool. And um uh, Michelle's wife was Odette was a, a master of her lodge in France. And she taught me that that in the European continent people kiss on the cheek either two times or four times, but Masons always kiss three times as a woman.
0: Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Tell you it's, it's all about the experiences
0: that's fantastic yeah it's you know some of those things that you would would never know and mm-hmm. it's it's always interesting too to hear about how there's that level of similarity and sameness that carries on throughout you know hearing how like today with the modern day how it everything's branching into stuff like TikTok and mm-hmm. when you jump on there what i see most uh at least what comes across mine most for masonry is masons on there disputing anti-masons and so to hear those similarities it's like man it just carries the same doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's crazy you know it's crazy but it, it's just wonderful at the same time yeah i mean you know in person i'll tell you the funny story first yeah yeah i was in chicago i was in chicago for uh, the annual convention of my college fraternity okay About 10 blocks from medina shrine hall And I went to visit and they said, we're doing a second degree later. Why don't you come visit? And I said, sure. It works out with my time. We went and we're starting, um, the second degree and I nudged the guy next to me and I said, I know I'm not from this jurisdiction, but we have a rule against anything offensive or defensive. He said, we do too. I said, they have guns under their pajamas. He said, those idiots, we have lock boxes for that. And I was still young and I got kind of embarrassed because they stopped everything, took them out. Um, then it proceeded normally. And afterwards, they were having sandwiches for collation and they said, have a sandwich. I said, I'm sorry, I got a 10 block walk. I got to get back to, we were getting a bus to go to a ship that was going to go around the Great Lakes social event. And they said, you'll be fine. Have a sandwich. And I said, really? I got a walk. He said, look, do you know who our candidates were? I said, no that there were two police commissioners of the city of Chicago. Do you want to guess how many police cars are out from? <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't, I pull, they pulled up with me in the car, uh, just as the bus was starting to pull out. <laughs> the policeman and I got out and he shook my hand. <laughs> it really, um, improved my street cred with the younger people there at the time. There you go. You know, I was 25 at the time. So yeah
0: that's fantastic so yeah. we, we've talked about some of your experiences moving through line mm-hmm. obviously a very impactful and weighty office is going into master of your lodge mm-hmm. you know as you were approaching that what were some of the things on your mind how did that impact you at the time
1: well that's the other thing about that time i read everything i could get my hands on sure which meant at that time before the world wide web I visited libraries in every community in the area. They each had one Masonic book. And so I would take it out. I'd read it. I'd bring it back. I go to the next one. And that's how I started really learning about things other than talking with brothers when we had the masonry forum, right? I, I read the, 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 master's book by car Claudi and looked at all that. Um, we didn't have, we have something now called master's path, which helps prepare masters for the weight of the responsibility. We didn't have that back then. And, uh, it was just, it was just an incredibly busy time. Um, those first 10 years or 12 years, uh, before I, well, yeah. Cause I started in 1980, I got married in 1990. So those 10 years were, were extremely busy. Um, I learned a lot. Um, one of my early mentors was a man named Dick Curtis, who was the editor of the Northern light, uh, journal of the Scottish right. the northern masonic jurisdiction and i was visiting with him at their headquarters at the time in lexington and we had a nice talk he said i don't know if i should tell you this but you know more about masonry than most men take 10 years to learn and I, i thanked him for that and then he gave me a complete run of northern light magazine from the very first issue and i still have all those and i really appreciate it and then he said to me would you do a favor for me i said sure and he he had me become the chapter dad for his son, you know, the Demolet chapter in Reading where he's from. And um, that's where I was high priest in 85. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun too. I, I, I fell into a lot of these things and for the longest time people would ask me if I'd like to do things and I'd say, sure, you know, we don't know how to say no most of the time.
0: I struggle with that myself.
1: Yeah. and back back then I just had a lot of fun. I mean, my, the year I was senior warden the first time and, and high priest, I was also earning a technical master's degree at Boston university. That was a two year oh, technical wow. master's degree done in 12 months of health Ooh. as an undergrad. I'd have one all night or a, a semester for before finals during this, I was getting about 15 hours of sleep a week. Oh, I was 25 and uh, 26 in there. And, uh, you know, so I was the high priest. I was a senior warden and I was earning, you know, this technical master's degree and just learned how to not have sleep. And we got through that year. And I, (laughs) I mean, at that time, I'm saying, wow, if I could do all that, I really can do anything, can't I? And so I just set about doing it. It was a long time before I had any kind of failure, you know, um, in 1983, we had a traumatic event in Waltham. We had the most unique Masonic hall I've ever had. I've ever seen since our hall in Waltham. First floor was, uh, on the main street. First floor was uh, businesses, uh, marble staircase, to the second floor. And that was the lodge hall, the ladies parlor, the men's parlor. And the third floor was the dining hall. And the, I can describe it, but I don't know how much time we have. But at any rate, an arsonist burned us down in 1983. It was the day of my lodge's rehearsal, and the master called and said, "We're calling off for rehearsal. The lodge is on fire." And said goodbye. My father and I looked at uh, each other and said, "Let's go." And because of all those police and fire who were members, yeah, while they were fighting the fire and the water was sluicing down those marble stairs. Some of us got to go up, and the firemen used their axes to break open our closets so we could get all our regalia out, which was something we could save, which was very appreciated. Appreciated. Right. Later. Um, unfortunately, we had a, a, a tough. I was on. I was junior warden, and so I was a part of the building committee of the three lodges. And uh, everything we tried to rebuild in the 80s was countered by the politicians at the time, who were all Irish Catholics and we after a time we all gave up and essentially decided that we can't exist as three waltham chartered lodges if we're not in waltham so we ended up merging in 1988 to become waltham triad lodge and um i was the the third master of that lodge when we when it came about and um it it was a tough time but things are going much better now the lodges is it's got a second wind and it's growing i mean it really helped that a fourth generation realtor um joined and he brought us back to waltham because he was in waltham with his business he knew what was going on in waltham so he started bringing us there and it got to a point where now the mayor of waltham often comes to our installation of officers nice and because we didn't rebuild we have a lot of charitable money that we use to support like the boys and girls club and the salvation army and things like that in Waltham. so
0: that's pretty cool so that that's neat i mean hearing about three lodges that came into one especially that fire you know i'm curious as the history nerd here um were the records destroyed during that fire
1: No, most of them were saved. Fantastic. Yeah, that's. I don't think I mentioned, but one of the things that I really liked about masonry in the beginning was the history, because that's a lot of the books I found were on the history of things, and I just thought it was so cool. And and I even had something with uh, with a brother recently, and talking about time, you know, how long, and I said, you know, I don't worry about it so much. You know in masonry, we know that the modern era started in June seventeen seventeen in London. We know that masonry has been around five, six, seven hundred years before that in some form. But we can't definitively state when masonry started. right? So I'm not going to worry about when masonry started. I've got three hundred years of interesting things going on that I don't need <laughs> to have that piece of information, you know, right. So,
0: yeah, that's fantastic, brother. So, so moving through your time as master of the lodge, you know, I'm always curious because that, that journey of leading your lodge for the mm-hmm. first time, uh, is, is always a, uh, a journey that you learn so much from that you didn't really intend to, or wasn't on the, you know, it's, something always gets thrown at you. I guess that's why it's called the hot seat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. what were some things during that year that challenged you?
1: Well, that I'm not, doesn't come to mind right now, honestly, but I can tell you one of the things I did my first year, it occurred to me that we have dinner every month. Sure. Eat. We tend to have dinner between, if we're doing a degree, we'll do the first section and business and then go to dinner and have the rest. And so we had, instead of having the ladies come for a ladies night once or twice a year, I said, why don't we invite our ladies to come every month for dinner? And we the lodge agreed. We started. I created some programs at the beginning for them, so they when we went back upstairs, they'd be entertained. And after a few months, they came to me, and I was the youngest of them. And they said, "Scott dear, I remember that. Um, we really like the programs you've come up with, but would you mind if we create our own programs?" <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> I bless you. You know, by all means. And for over 20 years, we had like 20 or 30 women who were showing up. And I, I remember distinctly, one brother approached me one evening and said, I have a bone to pick with you worshipful. And I said, yes. He said, I work hard. When I get home, I wanna put my feet up. And nowadays, my wife is handing my, my coat and saying, come on, we're going to lodge. <laughs> and I said, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm really glad to see you here. It's been a while, isn't it? Well, I hope you'll keep coming. And and he went grumbling off, <laughs> but, uh, Yeah. At that point, um, well, the first time I was master was when we were three lodges and I heard the other two lodges were talking about mergers. So I inquired whether we could join in and they said, yes, come on, you know, come on in. And, and it was a pretty easy time for us to, to in talking about a merger. Um, we all had that background in Waltham. Um, and so that was a large part of, of, my year in 1986, 87 as master. Because the following year we had the merger and was the first junior warden, second senior warden and third master. So, um, I was in one of those leadership roles for like most of 10 years in a row, because I went up junior, senior master. And then the last year I went to senior. So the guy who had been following me could have a turn as master. And then I was junior, senior master. And then I finally got to be marshal for a year, which in Massachusetts is uh, usually the junior past master who, after all that responsibility, doesn't have a lot of words to say, but understood the floor work. So he conducts visitors around and introduces visitors and, and opens the great lights and closes them in some jurisdictions. It's the senior deacon I know. And so, um, so I did that. And then I, we had a recession in massachusetts and i that's when i went to washington dc i found a job down there and um my wife had a job up here and she said you know find out if the job's real and if so i'll join you and so i had i was in a boarding house in alexandria virginia which was just up the road from the george washington masonic national memorial okay and one night i was coming home and the lights were on so i did what i always do when i stopped in and said hi <laughs> And they were about to have a lodge meeting and they invited me in what, it was the Jackson lodge that's there, not the Alexandra Washington lodge. And, and I had a wonderful time and part of my job was to find an apartment for my wife and I, um, when she decided to come down. So I, they asked me what I was doing there. How did I, you know, what's going on? And I told them that, and again, before cell phones and such, they passed around a pad of paper and all these brothers who had only just met me made time on weekends to pick me up and take me to various places around northern virginia and montgomery county uh maryland wow to find a place for us to live and i thought that was wonderful my wife joined me there and um they had a with something a job's daughter's bethel there my wife was in rainbow girls she was worthy advisor and a state officer and things like that but we we didn't know from Jobys in massachusetts we still don't we were asked to be advisors and we were, and, and that was pretty amazing experience because I found some things that we liked about Joby's a little more than we liked about rainbow. And so, uh, so that was good until we had our first child. And then there were all these things like you can't bring a boy baby into a a girl's group. And so, you know, but, um, and then unfortunately, um, I don't, it's not political, but uh, a certain GOP took over Congress and suddenly being a government contractor became untenable, ah. a time where um, during this period, I realized that things were changing and we closed out our apartment, sent my wife and infant child to her parents' house back in Massachusetts. And I moved in with a friend of mine from my synagogue. they raised six kids and had plenty of room. They said, please. so. Um, during that next six months due to some direct action or inaction of the federal government six jobs just disappeared i retired you know basically so after that i gave up and i said that's it and that's when i in 1995 returned to massachusetts and i went back to my lodge and i was put back in line as junior warden and did it for a third time and then then i became secretary figured that's a good way to stay out of being master again (laughs)
0: there you go that's cool they just threw you right back in they knew they had the right guy
1: Mm -hmm. so i was was master was the guy i at that point was a brother i'd appointed to line years before
0: oh that's fantastic it's neat how that happens yep so you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of your travels in masonry Give us a little info on that where where all have you uh had the pleasure of getting out to
1: oh well many places you know connecticut new hampshire um rhode island right around here but also when i was down in the mid-atlantic i did masonry in montgomery county maryland i did york right in washington dc and scottish right in alexandria virginia and was involved with those there and that was a lot of fun I basically said to all of them, the first one that comes up with a ritual book, I'll join because I <laughs> wasn't about to try to learn. We had ritual books for decades at that point in Massachusetts, ritual ciphers. Um, I wasn't about to start trying to learn a mouth to ear method at that point in my life. Um, but anyway, we ended up coming back to Massachusetts. Um, where else? I mentioned Chicago. We were in Atlanta, Georgia once, similar travel situation. Um, between the sections of the degrees, they took me and my friend who brought me um, around to meet the older members of the lodge. And one member heard my last name and said, basically, in a, I'm not going to do the caricature that I usually do, but it sounded like that. He said, are you any relation to that goddamn bitch General Sherman? And I said, uh, no, brother, I've done some genealogical research and he was no brother of mine and his whole demeanor changed. By golly, Brother Sherman, really glad you're here. We're sh- shaking my hand. Or, you know, I, I was figuring my, my, in my head, I said, if I don't answer this correctly, I'm going to be run out of town on a rail, <laughs> but that was fun. Um, yeah, and, and I've been in Canada, a couple of provinces there wow. I, when my wife and I got married in 1990, we honeymooned around the UK and we went to a lodge in London. We went to the grand lodge in London. We had a tour during the day, at which point I heard that all lodges in London. Uh, start at four, call off at six and go to festive board. And my darling new bride said, I know you want to do this and the timing works. So I'll go back to the hotel, take a nap, and then we can meet for dinner.
0: There you go. Well,
1: so I had a choice of a first degree, second degree, third degree, or a board of installed masters. I chose the third degree to my surprise. It was a Jewish lodge, Jonathan lodge, something or another. I realized that when they put a kippah on the head of the candidate kneeling at the altar to take his obligation um yeah it was an amazing experience um actually when i would after the tour i inquired at the desk because i knew the dress code uh, you had to have a plain black tie dark suit all that kind of thing i had black ties but they were all patterned so i said is there some place i can go he said yeah go out the door go across the street go down the block there's a jewelry store go in the door go all the way the back go down the stairs and a man there will help you <laughs> and there was and i asked about ritual and that blew my mind because he said what ritual are you seeing i said what do you mean he said well under the grand lodge of england we have about 17 approved rituals oh wow really he said so find out what they're using tonight and come see me tomorrow if you're still here and and i'll sell you that one so i did and uh, yeah that was that was really mind-blowing because massachusetts where i am is the third oldest grand lodge right and I can't, couldn't, and I know in America, all of us pretty much have one ritual. DC is a bit of an exception where every lodge can do another ritual. As long as they also know DC ritual.
0: How oh, interesting. I wasn't aware of that. We had a French
1: lodge. When I was down there that was full of ambassadors from France. And even when they were no longer in, in here, they would fly over for the lodge meeting, they were so dedicated. Um, so they would do ritual in French and they would do the DC ritual as well. There was a, um, a, uh, a group of West Africans who decided to do Scottish ritual and um, same sort of thing that I saw when I was down there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there are all kinds of stories.
0: That's pretty cool. So, yeah.
1: and that's, that's what I like to tell about people because as I said, sort of at the top, it's really the experiences we have.
0: Oh, Oh one hundred percent
1: when I joined Waltham Lodge, there were three other men joining at the same time. I didn't know them before, but we got to be friendly. yeah um, I was the best at the ritual, so I ended up getting appointed to line, but I believed they were coming. but then one of those times that I was away for a while and I came back, I asked the the secretary who succeeded me, who was the senior warden who succeeded me as master and he he, he looked at me and he said, no, they've all they've all. Uh, either NPD would or admitted. And that got me thinking, which I have for a long time. Why does one brother take to this and what, and other brothers don't find it's not for them. Why right. aren't we doing a better job of be, of guarding the West gate and really determining whether this person joining would be beneficial for both of us.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: So that's something I've always kind of wrestled with too, is I've had so many wonderful experiences and some not so good, as I said, but they didn't faze me because, except at the moment, because I know that there are more good experiences to be
0: had. Oh, definitely. I mean, I th- I think that's, it's natural and it's, it's the balance of it, but we, we've all experienced, you know, those times that you know, I've, I've had experiences so bad. I question while I'm still here, mm-hmm. but. It's interesting because even in those times, you're still here for a reason, and it's like you can't always put it into words, but there's mm-hmm. there's something there. There's something special that you know there's purpose in it, and it keeps you around, and then it always seems to ebb and flow back into balance, and there's typically more good than bad out of it, I can say for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and God willing, that's going to be true for all brothers.
0: Right, know, and- right. And that's,
1: and that's like as secretary. I, I was also, uh, when I first moved to Western mass in 2004, I did what I always do when I get involved locally, but I maintain my activities in the, in the sta- rest of the state where I started. I've, I've never left any of my groups that, you know, I, even though I, if I wasn't there, I still paid dues. And so, um, I would often counsel, you know, new brothers who were as secretary, um, who were becoming dissatisfied, to say, have you ever visited another lodge? Would you like to go? I'll take you. There are other lodges around which may be a better fit for you. I'd much rather you find someplace else you're comfortable with as opposed to quitting. And some of them we've been able to do that, others have kind of walked away.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting to see those those changes throughout masonry and how those impacts really you know affect masonry as a whole and how it takes takes branch in life mm-hmm. you know one thing you mentioned uh is we got about what 13 minutes left here mm-hmm. one thing you mentioned is Masonicon up in Attleboro yeah and, you know it made me think I, I believe that was the first time we had the chance yeah, to meet we, in person, in person. Yeah, we, we talked online but it, it was amazing to get to see you in person there and I want to get your feeling of had you experienced anything like that in masonry up there prior and and how do you think Masonic maybe impacted Masonry as a whole?
1: Well, yeah, I, um, that was, I think that was my first Masonic i I didn't go to the first one. I was at the second one. I believe that's where I first met you. And I was happily surprised when you came up and gave me a big hug. <laughs> you know, because at that point I wasn't so used to Mason's hugging Mason's. I, I absolutely adore the process now. Um, and, uh, You know, yeah, Masonic was an outstanding experience. I found as I kept going that I I didn't care that much about the speeches because um, um, Ezekiel Bates Lodge in Attleboro would put them up online afterwards. They record them.
0: Right, right.
1: And while, yeah, I couldn't interact with the speaker during the speakers, but what I did instead was have conversations with brothers from various parts of the world who I, I knew online generally, that's where I met all the hosts at the time of the Masonic round table. And we got that right between things. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's the real pleasure of things. I just wanted to visit the dealer room and I wanted to be with brothers and that, that meant more to me than anything else that was going on there. And I would tell brothers about it. And some of the brothers out here where I live, um, never could see traveling anywhere and I'm saying mm-hmm. you're missing out. And like everything else, a few people heard me and showed up and said, "Yeah, it's wonderful. You should go. It's one of the best experiences." And uh, you know Ezekiel Bates did a great job with it. And now we had, after five years, they they gave it, and Ryan Flynn up in New Hampshire did the last one in Manchester, and I was there for that, and that was a huge amount of fun too. Um, You know, you've had Masonicon, and thankfully you had you had an online uh, ticket. That's right. Yeah. I could participate that way because I just didn't have the time and the and the money to come out there, unfortunately. Um, so I've really enjoyed those kinds of things. Uh, Joe Martinez down Joe Martinez down in uh, Virginia, they do Esoteric down there, and they've they've allowed for that too, especially during the pandemic time. We had a lot of those, and it was just so much fun.
0: Yeah, no, I think you nailed it on the head there, and it really ties into. A lot of what this talk has has talked about just being those those connections in Freemasonry, and I think that's a beautiful thing about uh, all these various conferences. Is there's something for everybody, but it gives a reason for everybody to get together, and it's not just guys from your city, but maybe all the cities around, and then all those guys that travel in. I mean, that was the most amazing thing for me because that second year uh, Masonic Con, that was the first one I'd went to as well, and you and so many other guys that I'd had a chance to talk to online a bunch, and it's like, well, online's great, but it's just online. And then you get to see these guys in person, and you know, yeah. give them a big hug and have those conversations. And what you thought was already amazing in masonry just flourishes and comes to life in a whole nother manner. So it does. it's it's been a really really neat experience.
1: Speaking of online, one of yeah. the coolest things about Zoom, one of my lodges was Boston University Lodge. I got involved with rechartering it in 2012 and ended up being drafted to be the first master of that lodge, which I didn't really want to do at the time. But I called my wife thinking she'd get me out of it. And she said, oh, I think you'd have fun. So you should do it. And uh, so it's 85 miles from my home to Grand Lodge. And I was going to everything that a master does. And the younger guy said, why are you you at everything we're at? I said, because I'm the master of the lodge. That's what the masters are supposed to do. So I do it. At any rate, um, during the, the pandemic, we had Zoom calls and like a brother of ours was in the army in Afghanistan and he was able to connect in. And we hadn't seen him in a few years. We had a recent past master who ended up going to Washington state and married his, his love and um, found an academic lodge out there he enjoys. and But we don't, so we don't see him and he was on the calls And it it was a great way to reconnect with people that we weren't able to see. So that was one of the benefits and for the Massachusetts lodge of research, of which I'm a past master and the current secretary. Um, we found that we got not only a far more attendance at our zoom sessions, but we could bring in people like you and other high caliber speakers and it would seem to be a real benefit so what we've come up we have to meet four times a year so three are virtual and one our august meeting is in person somewhere and that's when we have our installation of officers and, and we get together in person and we thought fe- we thought that was a good balance now i've heard some, from some people who just missed the opportunity every month every quarter to be with us and i i understand that point of view but um, you know so that's that's one of the cool things to me that came out of the pandemic also
0: Oh, 100%. All and
1: experiences, you know?
0: While you brought that up, the Massachusetts Lodge Research is doing some amazing things. You know, I I had a fantastic time being able to join in with you guys, and Good. you guys are really on a cutting edge path. So, mm-hmm. truly proud of what you guys are doing for the craft of masonry. And
1: that's largely due to our current master, Michael Jarzebek. right, worshipful Michael Jarzebek, who I've known since he was a young mason here in Western Mass. And um I I was one of two brothers that kind of mentored him is that right I didn't know that and we spent a lot of time as he was learning to find his voice and express it we would critique in positive ways and help him find his voice and of course he's made a huge splash in the world of Masonry with some of his talks and things and um yet if we're both going to Boston, we'll often travel together, which is a marvelous experience because I love spending time with them. And, um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's done a lot with showing, I believe this is possible. Come along with me on this journey and we'll, we'll make it possible together. And so Mike's done an incredible job. Um, it's just, you know, again, I'm having a lot of fun. That's why I'm doing it.
0: Right i've I've heard you say that so many times uh, throughout this, just the amount of fun that you have, and it's refreshing uh, to hear that you know, I think so much masonry we get caught up in in the work of it that mm-hmm. we forget to stop and have that fun <laughs> and it makes the world a difference, doesn't it?
1: It does and, uh, to me though, it's fun is all kinds of things for me. It's like seeing that all the the I remember the the challenge I had the first time I was master, and we were doing a degree. And I was always great with ritual, but all of a sudden, I'm paying attention to all my junior officers doing their work and yeah. cheering them on. And suddenly, it's my turn, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, where am I?
0: A hundred percent.
1: That only happened once. Then there was <laughs> just, the time before cell phones where I had a beeper, and I had it on vibrate, and my apron had a pocket behind it, so I had it there. And it went off during a meeting, <laughs> and um, you know, <sighs> lots of stories. And I think it was actually Michael who said that I should take all my stories and put them into a, a memoir.
0: I would love and, to see uh, that.
1: Yeah, I, so I've been starting uh, like an outline, and, and really, I think I'm going to do it. Uh, right now, I'm inclined to do it on decades,
0: right? Kind of mm-hmm.
1: cover it that way, and. Then I'm going to talk. I figured I have to talk about where my parents came from, and they they had a great story. They um, they got married a little bit later in life, like in early 30s. My dad was 32, my mom was 26 when they got married. I was 32 when I married Becky. She was 25, going on 26, and um, and uh, yeah, somebody that knew both of their mothers said, I think they'd be good for each other, mm-hmm. and so dad went back to Brooklyn and had a blind date with mom and at a soda shop and his favorite cousin was there. And he said, if I give you the high sign, you break in here. I'm not sure how this will go, but it went well. And they were married six months later and they were married for, you know, for a long time until mom passed away in 2002 and dad in 2004. But, um, so, so a lot of stories that I'm going to try to, along the way and you know, about everything that I've gone to, I've been leader in synagogues along the way and right. part of the, the, I was a regional officer of my, of my Jewish movement here once upon a time.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it, it's, it's been quite something. My, my wife and kids have been hugely supportive. Um, my oldest son, my oldest child is my son. my first born. Um, he never wanted to join the Masons. He said, I don't think it's for me. I said, that's okay. When you're ready, it'll be there. Yeah. And because of Boston university lodge, that's in the second district of Massachusetts, where we also have the Harvard lodge and major general Henry Knox lodge, the military lodge. And I got to be friends with them. And they, the master said, we're having an open house type of thing. Why don't you invite your son? He was a Navy vet. So bring him in. And I asked them if you want to go, he said, yeah, but I'm not joining. We, we went to the event and, uh, on the way home, I said, what do you think? So I'm thinking about it <laughs> a couple of days later, I, I was checking in with him. He said, yeah, I, I think I want to join. I said, okay, well, we'll get in touch. And his best friend from the Navy ended up getting out when he did. And he went to UMass Amherst on, on the GI built to get a degree in mathematics. And they were sharing an apartment at the time. And I said, why don't we tell Andrew about this? Cause we had adopted Andrew because he was, he was from Southern California. So he was, he was because became really part of our family, all, all birthdays and family celebrations and things. And he decided to, too. And so I was the first, it was the first time a non a non vet was allowed to sit in as master of major general Henry Knox lodge. And they let me confer the first, second, and third degrees. Not only on my two candidates, but there are other five candidates. Right. And, um, and it was just such an amazing experience. And so we, we started something called the Lewis jewel some years ago. Yeah. I had one cause my dad was a Mason Now Simon's multi-generational too. He's third generation on my father's side. If you don't count my wife, he's like fifth on that side um on my my wife's side because her father her grandfather and great-grandfather were all masons so um so we did that and that was just the most wonderful heartwarming experience for me that was 2017 i believe and so i got him a new one uh, a new lewis jewel because i had one i wanted to have one for him and i broke the rules again so i have my father me and him on it so i put three bars on that's awesome all the experiences
0: well you know so i love having these conversations because if you look at the logo for historical light you know we've got that that keyhole where the third eye is and the light shining out of it and the key down below and and the purpose even though that's freaked some people out the purpose there is showing (laughs) that you know from our brothers and our past generations there's this knowledge to unlock it's it's there and we can gain that knowledge if we use the proper tools and i've found in in my experience you know some of the most enjoyable conversations some of the most beneficial experiences i've had that i've learned from has been from sitting down with brothers like you and just letting the conversation go and just seeing where it goes and i always take something away so when i was talking to you and you were like you know what I've had a really good time in Masonry. And I'd love to talk about it. I'm like, let's do it. That's gonna that's gonna make an amazing episode because there's so much to learn from our brothers. Just to sit down and have those conversations, it's such worth, worthwhile. And I'm so honored that you came on to share your Masonic uh, story with us this evening.
1: Well, I'm very thankful that you were open to the os- the aspect of this conversation. I've enjoyed it. 100%. I always enjoy interacting with you. Have for a long time. Speaking of which I'll throw in one more recent yeah. secretary. I heard from a brother who's 95 years old, he, we had published the veterans in November in our, in our notice. And he said, I wasn't in there. And I looked at his record. I said, "Because well, you didn't tell the secretary for the last 20 years uh, that you were in the military. So when we he was in the army air corps during world war two, okay. just amazing conversation with him. it was so much fun. because right. I like about secretary same thing I never know when I call a brother if we're going to have any kind of a great conversation but the older guys are just fantastic 100%. They want to talk about themselves so ask questions and they'll talk yeah <laughs> get that information and it's just fantastic
0: It really is. It really is. Well, brother, we are at the top of the hour. It's been an amazing discussion. And we always wrap these things up with uh, a little traditional toast. So if you wouldn't mind, we'll ask if you might offer us up a toast this evening.
1: It would be my pleasure. It's, it's given the season that we're in of light and life and all my wishes for all of us To learn that we have to be nice to one another, that the only way we're going to get through this is by realizing that we're all human beings and we all have a claim on each other's affections. Salute.
0: Salute. Cheers. Beautifully said, brother. I want to thank you again for coming on and and sharing your Masonic journey with us. And I wanna encourage all of you watching, first of all, thank you for watching, but encourage you to sit down with your brothers and have those conversations. Learn about them, learn about their experience because all of our journeys and all of our experiences are a little different. And that communal aspect of Masonry holds great importance and being able to learn from one another is part of that massive importance. So utilize it. Don't waste it. Sit down and learn from all of your brothers and have those conversations and it will impact your Masonic journey as well. So brother Sherman, I'm so proud to call you a, a dear brother and a friend. It's been amazing to have this chat with you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to give up some of your time today and, and, and share that with us and ask that you also go back to your family and thank them for letting us steal you away for a little bit.
1: I will certainly do that. I'm so appreciative of you, brother Alex, for Uh, taking this time to spend with me and asking questions about my journey, which I really appreciate. Um, you know, in many ways, they don't talk about how you feel in the sixties. and what I've noticed is that if I'm not looking at myself on a monitor and I'm just looking out of my, my eyes, I don't feel my age. I try to enjoy my life and do what I can. In a couple of years, I'll be hitting a place where I can retire. And my wife says, I don't want you to get depressed because you're sitting around. I said, are you kidding? (laughs) Between, Between Masonry and all, I love reading science fiction and fantasy and history and all those things too. So I always have books to read and I always have, have places to go and things to do. So, you know,
0: Viva la journey. There you go. Well, brother, thank you again, and we will talk to you soon. All right, brothers, thank you so much for tuning in this evening, and until next time, keep preserving the history of Freemasonry. Have a great night.